Welcome to Fargo Talks Fargo, an unofficial podcast on the FX television series. Fargo Talks Fargo is hosted by me, Bill, and my buddy Sharpie. And this now. season of Fargo. Oh shoot, I forgot to let you do your thing. This season of Fargo Talks Fargo is sponsored by Fargo Brewing and their Wood Chipper IPA. Visit FargoBrewing.com to learn more about their delicious beverage. Also, today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Visit audibletrial.com slash Fargo Talks Fargo and sign up for a free 30-day trial. Books are fun. Books. <laughs> Hello, Sharpie. Uh, so I am. I just got back from Rapid City. I didn't see Ben Schmidt there, <laughs> but I did. Uh, I did drink some beer and smoke some cigars. Hey, that counts. That's something. For something. That's a deal. It's something. Yeah. And you so did go to Rushmore. I did. I not did. the uh, convenience store. Nope, not the convenience store, and not not the Jason Schwartzman film. Um. So let's talk about the castle season two episode nine as things come to a close. Quite a rousing uh, little little chip that was this week. Oh, there were a lot of good payoffs in this episode. Yeah, it was mostly payoffs. <laughs> yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, not so a lot you- of uh, not a lot of like. I mean, definitely some some Coen Brothers symbolism and things like that. Not a lot of mind games or anything like that. Just pure, good old-fashioned, violent fun. <laughs> good old-fashioned, wow. <laughs> yeah, there was definitely, this is definitely the, yeah, I mean, the payoff is the only way to talk about it. I mean, this is, this, this is the payoff we've been teased from season one. That's right. You know, haven't seen something like this since Sioux Falls. It's Sioux Falls all over again, and now here we are, and it's happened. So there, um, there we got it. Yeah. Everybody satisfied? Yeah, I let us know. So I think so, yeah, I think the finale will probably be more of just like a how do we come from all of this? I don't mm-hmm. yeah, we're not gonna see much more of that because there's not many people left. No, not really. So why don't you why don't you take us into this? Well, the castle, uh I think everybody's kind of assuming it references the Kafka book, The Castle. Mm-hmm. Um, and without having to read that, you can quickly go over to your good old friend Wikipedia and get the gist of it. Um, all and the I think this is, is a, a pretty straightforward um, thing. I mean, I, I think this pretty much surrounds Lou, but we'll see. We'll get your take on it as well. But um, yeah. so the 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 novel is about basically a guy coming to a town that's governed by this sort of weird. Um, this weird group of authorities that nobody really knows and he's trying to gain access to the town. He's trying to like become a, a citizen of the town, I believe. Um, and he can't. So he ends up just, he gets a pass to work and live there, but he, he's just running into all these walls from this like kind of unresponsive bureaucracy. Yes. Um, and that must be Lou's struggle throughout the episode with the Sioux Falls authorities. Yeah, I thought it was also a little, a little, in, a little bit like um, uh, rhinoceros. Well, like one person sure. who's different. You yeah. know that it's uh, there's there's it feels like at times there's been a lot of one person against the world, and the universe is going to dish some weird shit at you. So, 
that's my thoughts you were asking Oh, yeah, I told you. <laughs> so yeah, I think I mean Lou just runs into uh, wall after wall after wall when trying to deal with the the South Dakota guys. Yeah. And st- it starts right off right away in the cabin, um, especially when the Sioux Falls uh, chief Chief Cheney, uh, he just well as they leave, he says he'll he'll sh- show Lou what a South Dakota necktie feels like, which I assume he means. <laughs> Uh, like a hanging him, like a noose. I don't know. Maybe it's just made out of chislick. <laughs> Maybe it's like a bolo tie, just with chunks of meat on it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You, no, it's a bolo tie. I think just, we just the slide. The slide is just one chunk of chislick. Oh, okay. Just one one chunk of chislick. <laughs> we may have invented some new snack fashion. Yeah, you could probably. <laughs> Is snack fashion a thing? Did we just coming, maybe we invented soon. a whole genre of, of fashion? Snack fashion. Yeah, coming soon to a convenience store <laughs> like Rushmore. Wearable maybe. meats. Wearable <laughs> meats. Just you know, you never know when you're gonna get yourself in a bind. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think to it's the oh, wow. Sorry, I was just like I got caught up in my own thought there. Yeah, there's just been a lot of and there's just so much stuff of. Um, like the word absurd, I think is very relevant this season. There's so many things that are just you know crazy like that, and like over the top, heightened to an absurd point. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. this, yeah, this episode really was a fantastic culmination of all the absurdity. Right, you know, up to the UFO and everything. Yeah, it's just like okay, that is yeah, that's absurd. Yeah. Hey, and by the way, I'm spoiler okay alert. With it. If you haven't seen the episode, we just blew the UFO thing out of the water. It, well, yeah, yeah, if you UFO. haven't seen the episode, probably shouldn't listen to the podcast. Probably not a good idea. Um, well, maybe. I don't care, really. <laughs> no, no. We're this far into the season. If you're downloading the show and listening to it. Um, but yeah, I, I was really happy to... Uh, I thought it was an interesting book of the saga. The history of what was it? The history of true crime. The in history the Midwest. of true crime in the Midwest. Yes, that was a fun little touch. And uh, being the nerd that I am, I had to go through that uh, paging of the book frame by frame uh, the whole time. And I did notice that I was like, "Oh my gosh, did they really write all this content for this book?" As they're paging through it, but no. I mean, there's like a page of content that's just repeated over and over and over again oh was it uh yeah and unfortunately when they freeze on one of the on one of the images in the book two identical paragraphs are side by side unfortunately (laughs) so that was probably just a little bit of a flub because that made it kind of obvious um but yeah, the words in the book are what Martin Freeman is narrating. And I, I pulled out a few interesting things from some of that content that yeah. are maybe just tidbits. Yeah. Um, well, the narrator says that, you know, the events that took place in Sioux Falls shaped Ed and Peg's life from then on. Like, And with that... I feel like that's sort of alluding to the fact that they probably will survive because otherwise, why would you, why would you say, yeah, and this changed their life forever if they're only around for like another day. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So I think 
based off of that, we can predict that Ed and Peg are going to make it through this, which I think we kind of figured. Yeah. Um, it seems like they survived like completely on dumb luck to me. But maybe from now, maybe not anymore from now on because now, now Peg's being. She's not thinking, she's being. She's realized. Yeah. And you were right uh, on the hot dish. You said realized and I said actualized. She does say both. Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so another thing I got out of that book was I didn't know if we knew that Otto actually got frostbite in that hospital parking lot after his henchmen were killed. I don't think we know that. I think that's just one of those tidbits. Kind of, yeah, it was kind of interesting. Um, Ed Blumquist's dad, is his name is Frank, Frank Blumquist, and he was a shoe salesman. <laughs> Peggy's mom was Nora Knutson, which I think we may have known. Um, she died of breast cancer when Peggy was 10. Oof. And Peggy had to go off to live with her aunt. Kind of interesting. Mm. Uh, Peggy dated a guy named Tim in high school, and they were in love. Uh, Tim went off to enlist in the Army uh, to go to Vietnam in 1970, but in 1973, he died in an Army training exercise. Is that what makes Ed... Her white knight, or you know, so Ed. After that, Ed ended up uh, confessing his love for Peggy since since they were in high school. Yeah, and went on this sort of long wooing courtship kind of thing where Peggy was at first not really responsive to it, but then just kind of gave in. Imagine that. Yeah. So, so that's I thought that was the most interesting of the of the little tidbits because that kind of explains that. You know, she she basically settled on Ed, and she was probably never fully into him. Yeah, I mean, it's it always ever since she said you've been a real paladin. Uh, I I feel like it really gave us the idea that she she kind of married him out of like she feels for him, but just not that way. But she had some sort of obligation. Mm-hmm. But that book was just. Super fun to page through. Um, page through, I guess, in air quotes. Um, yeah. being I, I loved the illustrations, being a guy that draws pictures almost all day long. I thought that was super fun. Um, yeah, they're great. I, I, I like how the show Fargo isn't afraid to completely change things up um, in terms of like shooting styles from episode to episode, in terms of the way things are the way the narrative plays out, um, the way this one is actually narrated, yeah. um, especially beginning this season with uh, the fictitious Ronald Reagan movie. Um, that was interesting. We, I like these little sort of, I don't know, I don't know how to describe it. It's like a vignette of storytelling. Yeah, I was about to say that. <laughs> uh, but I, I find that pretty fun and I just love how they just don't, they, they, there's no rules in this universe for them. They can just do whatever the fuck they want. And I'm down with that because I like what they do. So after the pretty neat little interesting opening, we we go straight to that Rushmore store. Um, and now that we know, and we've kind of mentioned it before, um, and you mentioned it uh, right away, is 
these references to Rapid City. So now I'm wondering if that Rushmore store isn't a reference to Rapid City because we know Ben Schmidt, Benjamin Schmidt, mm-hmm. we know he said, oh, it's like Rapid City all over again. We know that convenience store is called Rushmore. So yep. now I'm wondering if those are the references that are starting to come out or if there maybe have been some in the past that we maybe overlooked. I don't have to go back. Yeah, I don't. Found it interesting too that uh, it, yet again it, we were this TV show is referencing another um, point in time like last season and we're in, we're doing the Bemidji thing and Lou is like oh it's Sioux Falls all it's you know and now it's Rapid City all over again I, I think it also could be it, maybe it's just a really light statement on the fact that these types of things happen over and over historically cyclically there's just a lot of shit in the world <laughs> you know I'm i mean if you think about it you know so like we're we're in whatever god i forgot what year it was but you know we're in whatever year in bemidji season one and it's oh it's sioux falls now we're in sioux falls and it's oh shit it's rapid city how far I back think it can was take 2006 this? is that right yeah, so, yeah i think you're right anyway it's just and, and you know and then you think about the referencing of the massacre of the indians the Sioux Falls Massacre, you know what I mean? You know, there's just like this re- recurrent theme of massacre. Yep. And what's the point? And things are, uh, yeah. So we get a little bit of a tidbit of perhaps Hansi's history with Otto, right? So how how did you uh, interpret that? We hear what... I think was pretty clearly Otto's voice and and Hansy like it's sort of like a flashback only we don't see it. Yeah. Um where it sounded like Otto may have killed his family or his parents or something like that. I don't know. I was I I guess I'm not I didn't focus on that in my thing here but I thought it was interesting the the did you notice in the the scene where he's cleaning up his? Sorry to hijack this a sec. Did you notice that the poster in the window, in the mirror behind him when he's dressing his wounds, is a uh, a poster for a lost dog? Oh no, that is awesome. Mm-hmm. And then of course I was doing the whole like moderate dyslexic thing too, and I was like, well, dog is just God backwards. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, but. I mean, references or <laughs> Hansi is continually referenced to as sort of the the family dog kind of a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, he's a, he's a half breed. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he, you know, what did he call him? God, I, I don't even have my notes in front of me. My bad. Like when 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 he lost his shit uh, in the previous episode, he called him mongrel. You know. Yeah. You know all references to that. That kind of thing. That's a good catch. And, and, and a, a mongrel, I mean, if you, you know, seeing as Wikipedia is our friend here, I just did it. A mongrel, mutt, or mixed breed dog is a dog that is not res- the result of breeding. You know? Um, so, yeah. So, he's he's liter- he's, a, he's a lost dog. I'm he's not lost suggesting dog. that. He's, I'm saying they're saying that. I'm saying he's a dog. But, yeah. I liked the, I mean, we mentioned in the hot dish the alien stickers i really like the i break for grays <laughs> that shows up <laughs> twice actually 
it's it's over um by the other um alien sticker that says we're not alone or something like that but it's also on the way to the bathroom on the front of the counter i break for grays yeah meaning future a, alien future is bodies. here <laughs> future is here we're not alone i here's the deal we knew this was if you didn't think this the ufo was going to show up you were getting telegraphed some pretty heavy doses of <laughs> it's gonna happen, and that's that's. I don't know. First... I wasn't positive. I thought it was just kind of gonna always be this thing. Uh, but... No, I I I wasn't positive, but I was very very confident that it would happen because I can't remember where it was early in the season. I brought up that, or maybe I'll, I can't remember if I brought it up on the show or if it was in a conversation we had that. That he had uh, Noah Hawley ha- had said, "Don't worry, I'm going to tie this loose end up. It's not going to be. There's going to be a very deliberate thing that lets you know." Oh and yeah, so that's right. I was like, "Okay, we're in season nine, and I knew he wasn't going to be like, "Hey, let's just float an alien in at the end of episode ten or hour ten, you know." Mm-hmm. So I and then the minute I started seeing these um, UFO stickers that they were just very blatantly showing us. I mean, that's that's only like two minutes into the show and they're already going, hey, the future's here. UFOs. It's, it's, it's going now. down. It's going the, down. The, the future you've been waiting for is right now. That's what they're saying. Nice. I like it. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, there's... I'm still trying to... Where's... I break the... I'm still trying to find it. But yeah, either way, he... Have you noticed too? Um, the other thing, just you know, we might have some more we can feed into this because we're working on having an interview. And I know, I by the way, I haven't got the Maggie one up yet. I'm working on. There's a lot going on with that. Um, and it was super fun that we we chatted with Maggie uh, and Jeff and everything. But uh, can't wait to try talk to the prop master, um, Trolf T R O L F. Have you noticed that that is the brand of like super glue? It's the brand of peroxide. It's also the people who make Bust bug spray. <laughs> It's like the they're the uh, Procter and Gamble of the day <laughs> in this Fargo universe. Yeah, we'll definitely have to talk about that. Yeah, these are things that don't you know they don't change the story. They're just I just I love these kinds of fun things. So Hansi's Hansi's a lost dog. Um, so long to the clerk, right? Yeah, poor old fellow. Yeah, um, that guy, man, he just gets picked off. <laughs> yeah, Hansi's a good shot. No kidding. For a guy who was doing hand to hand in the tunnels in Nam. Yep. He's, he's pretty sharp. Tunnel rat. Yeah. So, so we so yeah, we already talked about, you know, then we get to the cabin yeah. and the South Dakota necktie, we kind of talked about all that. Um were you, I you really were found the Mike conversation Mike. outside the cabin interesting. Um, where yeah. They're like, yeah, see, the thing is this. Uh, the precinct is kind of owned by the mafia. <laughs> so we can't take Ed and Peg there. They just flat out admit it, which I thought was hilarious. And how it, the precinct uh, and the cops were owned by the Gerhards, and now they're owned by Kansas City. Uh, so Kansas City is... The, Cor- the Kansas City Corporation is coming in and they're just taking charge and taking over. Um, but I loved how uncomfortable Ben Schmidt looked when they were talking about that because he's clearly 
a part of that. He knows full well. Like he's he's probably getting dished all that, getting dished cash under the table too. Yeah, he's like, oh, he's like, oh, I'm with my people. Yeah, and that's when. So you see him kind of, not really. I guess uncomfortable might not be the word, or maybe it is. But you see him standing out there, and he's kind of taking himself a little bit out of the conversation. Kind of, he's kind of looking well, around. He's fiddling with his wardrobe, but then, but then he gets this little chip on his shoulder over Lou, uh, and starts making fun of Lou a bit and feeling like a tough guy, which remains throughout the episode. I think it's because he finally feels like he's got enough of his quote unquote people. Here, let me. You want me to play this? Tell him. We can't vouch for the safety of the precinct, is the thing. What kind of chicken shit outfit you running here, JC? <laughs> I don't drive to your backyard and talk about how all your heads are flat. What does that mean? You can't vouch for the safety. We got graft. I'm saying, money changes hands. Used to be Gerhardt money, now it's Kansas City. Corruption. Allegedly. But, uh, well, you bring these two into custody, can't guarantee they won't hear about it down in Kansas City. And you know they'll send, like, an army. So we take them north, someplace where people got their heads on straight. My state, my prisoners. Well, wherever we're taking them, we need to go soon. I've been under siege once this week, not really interested. It's the third way. We wire the redhead. Send them into the meeting with this Milligan fella. Get the conspiracy on tape. We're lucky we bust the whole operation. No. That look right there. I'm looking around, and you're outranked here nine ways to Sunday. You can't. These two? You saw them? Well, they're doing better than us so far. Yeah, I thought that was an interesting look. They're not Mm -hmm. up to. Believe me, wearing a wire? They'll make the effort if they think it'll keep them off death row. Look, I've met this Milligan fella. It's not amateur hour. He gets one whiff it. It Ed's dead before the time it takes to blow your nose. Thought you were Gary Cooper. <clears throat> Turns out you're Betty Leplage. I'll say that again. Right, look, you brought your shit to town, son. I'm just trying to clean it up. And I say we squeeze the lemons we got and use the juice to catch these big fish. So get with the program. Don't trust anything that comes from the sea. So anyway, yeah, that that yeah, that moment where he just kind of gives the old uh, yeah, I'm Ben Schmidt, mm-hmm. Betty Laplage, and you might you'll remember her from the very beginning of the very first episode. She stars with Ronald Reagan in the massacre at Sioux Falls. Mm-hmm. Uh man, Cheney's a dick. Cheney's a dick. Did you know? I, I thought there was maybe I'm making something out of nothing, but. Those two that are taking the Kansas City money, I thought it was, you know, that they're trying to push their own agenda. Uh, they're both kind of fat. Mm-hmm. Like, they're fat off the proceeds. You know, they're they're desk jockey, and they don't need to do the job. They don't, you know, I just, I don't know if that's, a, you know, it feels like it's intentional. Mm. That they're both just really plump, pork-fattened kind of, mm. you know. Side pork eaten. Yeah, I mean, did, I mean, look around. Everyone else is like kind of normal, but these two from this particular precinct that have you know that they're they're they can't vouch for their you know maybe but. they're just bored. Not a lot of action in Sioux Falls. Now they got this. Now they get one little piece of action, and they just want to own it. Be like, yeah. nope, this this is ours. This is our candy. Once you've had get a out hot of your pocket, kids. 
once you've had a hot pocket, you can't go back. Um, you were trying to figure out what was some, was something with Mike Milligan about the song he was whistling. Was that you were talking? Yeah. About? So uh, once we left the cabin, we see Mike Milligan uh, on the phone with uh, presumably Hamish, I imagine, um, his boss. And I thought that was a, a pretty cool little conversation. He mentions how you know the Undertaker he never showed up. I guess. But, uh, you know, I'll, I'll take care of this business. You don't have to worry. Mm-hmm. And a great little scene uh, at that phone booth, which it, which was super fun. And, yeah, he walks away from that phone booth, and he's whistling a tune. And I was just wondering what that tune was. Do you know? Um, but I'm just trying to hear it. I okay. want to play it. It's as he's walking across the road. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I should know it. Somebody will know it. I thought it was maybe uh, another song that played throughout the episode, but I don't think it is. Mm. Um, so then we transition into the Salverson house, and this I thought was brilliant, and I kind of wish we'd seen this before we talked uh, to Maggie. But when we're yeah. in the kitchen and Sylvia's mother is playing on the radio, the song Sylvia's Mother by mm-hmm. Dr. Hook and the Medicine Show, that song uh, is from 1972. I thought that song fit so perfectly um, with the narrative that's going throughout the show kind of with uh, Lou because the song is specifically about uh, a man trying to contact a woman over the phone, but the the mo- the woman's mother is standing there in the way of him. Like it, it's kind of like the castle as well. Yeah. Um. Sylvia's mother is kind of the bureaucracy that's in the castle that doesn't le- doesn't is not letting this communication happen. And all the while, Lou is trying to call home. He's trying to get a hold of Betsy. And he's and this is going on throughout the entire episode. He's he's trying to connect with his lover, his wife, mother of his daughter, and he just can't get through. And that's what that song is about. And as it's playing on the radio and then kind of ramps up into the actual uh, soundtrack of the scene, I thought it w- couldn't have been more fitting. It was just awesome. Yeah. I... Uh... And it's heart wrenching, exactly. Heart wrenching, yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, the song's a heart wrenching, heart wrenching song as well. I mean, it's not, um, you know, it's not like about death or anything, but it, it it certainly makes you, you know, feel. It, it, you can understand that frustration because in the song, he's just trying to get a hold of this woman who he loves, just so that he can say goodbye because they're no longer together. Um. All he wants to do is talk to her one last time and say his goodbye, and he doesn't get to do that, and neither does Lou. Lou yeah. never gets to say goodbye. Uh, Assuming Molly is, <laughs> I don't know. I don't even know young. what to say. I just when it, when I watched that scene it had it happening, I tweeted. Uh, I tweeted about. It. I was just like, "Fuck!" 
Oh, it was tough. Because I, I, like like you said um, earlier, uh, and that episode isn't out yet, but she's the heartbeat of the show. I think so. Or maybe I have said it one other time. Or did I just say it in the podcast episode? I'm still editing a special one. Maybe. We've, we've talked way, about I it. I don't know if we've used those specific words, um, but we've definitely yeah. talked about how she is basically the heartbeat of the show. And that is another one of those, I mean, I hate to call it a payoff, but it's something you knew was coming and going to happen. Mm-hmm. And for all of these to happen in one episode was a little bit overwhelming. Um, and I've heard some people kind of describe this episode as maybe lazy, but I don't think so. Just because there is a lot of action and a lot of killing and less dialogue than there normally is, I don't think it was lazy. I thought, I thought that it was rewarding. This is kind of the things everybody knew was going to happen and have been waiting for to happen, and now they have. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's sooner or later this all has to come to a point. And I don't, yeah, it's happening. Yeah, so Molly, and Molly was going to go show her, Molly's hanging out with Noreen, which was uh, pretty cute. Molly does this little picture, and it's a picture of like, yep. a weird like cat-like monster-ish thing. I don't yeah. know if if we're going along the theories of three in this episode. She, the cloud has, or the cat has three dark clouds above its head. Yeah. Um, and then two two trees to the side of it and I'm wondering if those two trees are, are now the two Solversons that are left because there's a big tree and a little tree so I wonder if that's Lou and Molly now growing old Oof. I don't know I could be reading the, into these the, things the way too much is, but well that's what we do <laughs> you know that's exactly what we do and, take everything uh, with a grain of salt I don't know yeah we'll talk to the prop guy and be like no actually I just drew a cat and some trees <laughs> I just it's chupacabra. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Chupafargo. I just oh, it's I I just keep thinking about who Molly becomes though. You know, and just thinking about this scene of finding her mother, you know, on the floor probably. What uh what that does to her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Makes me sad. It is a little bit sad. Yeah, and uh, so so Lou's back at the the Rushmore, and there's another, you know, carry on with the UFO things because there's another one at like almost 16 minutes in. If you own the show, mm-hmm. uh, there's a big thing that says UFO <laughs> in a poster. It just says UFO. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like how many times did the word aliens or UFO show up before we, you know, even got close to seeing that, you know? So. It's if if somebody was surprised, I get. I mean, I was, I was surprised, but I don't know how to. Yeah, I've already kind of explained it. I guess I was mm-hmm. I was surprised, but I knew. I mean, I just knew it had to be coming at some point. Mm-hmm. So, so when Lou's on the road, he, I like how he kind of tricks the Sioux Falls authorities into getting on the radio with Hank um, mm-hmm. because it doesn't state his name or anything like that. So the the radio buzzes in uh, in the trooper vehicle. And they're saying, yeah, some Minnesota authority uh, wants to talk. And it's Lou trying to get a hold of Hank and say basically, hey, man, these goons are, are not making the right decisions. We need to we need to stop and think about this here. And yep. he says something specific that I think is a reference to the castle. He's like, he says he's being run out of town. 
uh, by these guys. And that would be, I mean, that's got, that's a direct reference to the castle because the guy in K is the character, just the letter K. Yep. Uh, he he's basically feels like he's being run out of town because he can't get access to, you know, his citizenship. And he ends mm-hmm. up just um, dying in the town without ever getting it. That the yeah. show is going that far with the symbolism, but that that book, the castle, was actually never finished uh, because Kafka died in the process of writing it. Yeah, so I guess we don't know how that story ends. Nope. But we get over to the Motor Motel. Uh, fun little fact: there is a Motor Motel in Bismarck, North Dakota. Yeah, there is. Mm-hmm. It's not this hotel. No. Shares shares some similarities, but you can look it up on TripAdvisor if you if you care to choose. It's called the Bismarck Motor Motel. Bismarck is the capital of North Dakota for those that don't know. Bismarck, B I S M A R C K. B K. Don't forget that C. Yep. Gotta, gotta put that in there. Um, and so the yeah. Motor Motel is the housekeeping award winner. Is it? That's what it says on the sign. It's fantastic. Just housekeeping just... award winner. Yeah, the beds are completely uncomfortable, but it's clean as hell. <laughs> <laughs> so, right right when we get to the Motor Motel, um, Hank wants to have a word with Cheney because he just he wants him to slow down a little bit. And they have this little conversation, and I would kind of like to play this clip because he says some interesting things that I'll follow up with after we hear it, if you have that ready at all. I do, right here. Here you go. Hey, Captain. Talk to you for a second. Your man was out of line. Yes, sir. Yeah, he uh, well, he was having a feeling. This this mess has got you. Us. Minnesota boys don't got much in the way of backbone, now, do you? Well, now, I wouldn't say that. Just like to think things through. Mm. Army. Yes, sir. Liberated France in the Great War. Not single-handedly, but I like to think they couldn't have done it without me. Well, then you know it's the generals that do the thinking. And everybody else just says how high. I'm not going to debate the merits of top-down decision-making with you, Captain. Except to say, I had a lieutenant in the war. And he, he told Eisenhower to go to hell once on account of his orders would have got us all killed. And I send that man a card every Christmas because I can stay or go makes no difference to me but tomorrow I'm taking the fight to the enemy I love that the beginning of that scene was um, through the lens of Hansi's spyglass mm-hmm. that was kind of fun on top fun little of the, cinematic on top of the optometrist building how <laughs> can you beat me to that <laughs> in uh, big letters oh you oh i didn't even sorry i wasn't even scrolled down the page i didn't see you had that in the show notes yeah <laughs> sorry my bad i was i wasn't oh cool try to um, keep up bill uh no yeah, no so, i was just i was busy getting your clip queued up you big jerk <laughs> <laughs> so we've got some uh interesting facts here because and some answers to some questions we've had and kind of assumed we knew uh, the answers to, but I, I guess we didn't. Um, so we kind of always assumed Hank was either in the Korean War based on his age or possibly World War II. 
but he says he liberated France in the Great War, which is World War One. Um, so that doesn't yeah, but really Eisen... say what. Oh, go ahead, just keep going. I mean, I'm sure maybe World War Two uh, could be referenced or could be called the Great War, but I think usually the Great War refers to World War One when. It's well, usually said, but maybe at that time it was different. I don't know. Maybe somebody else has some answers. It, it is World War Two because that would be during Dwight D. Eisenhower's presidency, is what I was trying to say. Oh, okay. So then they did call <laughs> World War Two the Great War. Then I mean, usually yeah. every time I've heard it, it's always been World War One. No, no, no. I guess I don't. I guess I haven't thought about. I mean, it. World War Two would make way just, more sense because if it was World War One, which ended in 1918, yeah. 61 years ago, if he was 18, yeah in the service that would mean he's at least 79 years old (laughs) and i just don't think that's the case nope that's not the case no he's definitely you know in that what they would call the 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 greatest generation yeah i mean i I just got hung up but they do they do call they do call the first world war the great war so i know i mean i just but either way right who knows I don't know. Do you, there's no way he's 79. No. Unless I got my Eisenhower wrong. And now, now, I'm, now I'm self-doubting. You know? Yeah. Um, keep going and I'll look it up. I mean, that's, that's really uh, mostly what I had. I loved how he just really stuck up for Lou right there. I, I, I love his feelings. Uh, you know, he's just got this. He's got... They both have these very similar instincts hank and lou they they really do share that together um and it comes yes. uh, comes into play uh throughout the entire episode they both have this connection even though they're not father and son they're father-in-law and son uh but they do have very similar instincts and very similar uh values and they just know when something's not right and uh when we're talking about we're talking about this a lot uh during this show but when we're talking about payoffs I do really think Hank Larson, Ted Danson's portrayal of Hank Larson was another payoff because we really got to see more of him. We've always wanted to. He's always been there for little quips that have been very fun and very nice to have and super entertaining. But this is the first mm-hmm. time we've actually seen a lot of Hank Larson. And yes, that to me was another payoff. So it's just like gift after gift after gift with this episode, in my opinion. I think too the big gift. You know, we've got a lot of, and we we've made no bones all season long about the fact that we love Ted Danson in this role. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also still I think here's something I've realized I enjoy about um, Ted Danson's character in, in this season. I I mean, we've got people like Carl Weathers who are very um, wordy and interesting, and Mike Milligan who's the same way, and they're. Very character. I think it's the softness of Hank. And when I say softness, I don't mean he's not tough. I mean the delivery of his character is all the way down to what you just pointed out. You know, the slow down and think a bit. Like Hank, everything about the way this character is played, in my opinion, is really like sit back, sit in the pocket, and just really like let let the dialogue do the work. And he doesn't have to overact anything. He it's just I don't know. I think that's what makes it so good. Plus his his tone and the delivery of what he does has been fantastic this season. And I hope he uh hope we get a little bit more time with Hank. 
There's that. Gearhearts. Yep. So the Gearhearts are gearing up. Hamdi's basically setting up his elaborate trap. Um, all all the things he's been planning and plotting to do to get out of this lifestyle are coming to a culmination. He's well, I guess he's he's getting the seeds in the ground. He's sowing them seeds, and he's ready. He's about ready to get the fruits of reap. his labor. Yeah, he's gonna reap. And it, later, it, later on in the episode, just to just to quickly jump ahead, because mm-hmm. we will. Uh, there, there's a song that plays. Uh, another one I would have liked to talk to Maggie about, um, but it's the Sorcerer or Sorcerer rather, not the Sorcerer. 1973 song by Junction. Yep. I. <laughs> I like to think that this song is sort of Hansi, a, a narration of Hansi's character in this episode. There's certain lines in this song, um, such as he uses his powers to hypnotize, stay away from the sorcerer, where there's evil, he will be, he wants you, he needs you, he'll get you if you don't stay away, things like that. I feel hmm. like Hansi is the sorcerer because he's he's basically setting up this huge plan of attack that he doesn't even have to really carry out. He just kind of has to lie and, and set things like get the wheels turning and set them into motion. And the, at like a sorcerer, like using mind games and tricks and lies, he is getting what he wants, which is you. He wants you dead. He wants the Gerhards dead. He wants them gone. So he's planting all these seeds. He's being the sorcerer that, is the ultimate demise of the Gerhardt family. Yeah. He's talking hey. to Floyd on the phone. Um, yeah. And basically saying, hey, yeah, Mike Milligan in Kansas City, they have Dodd and they're at this hotel. You should go get him. You should send a dozen men. And Floyd, th- being the powerful woman that she is, she's like, I've sent men three times to do a job and three times that job has been unfinished. Three, three. She said she'd be there in three hours. She's sick of men not being able to complete the job, and she says, "I'm gonna do this myself." Even though yep. she really doesn't, she ain't, she ain't messing around. around. I, I thought I took note too of uh, in that exchange or the on the telephone that we revisited the here were hanged twenty two Sioux Indians, May twenty fifth, eighteen eighty two. I still think, <coughs> I still think the driving force behind his, um. His his little setup here is is just lack of respect in general. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, you know, that he's he's done. He's, he's done. done. Now I didn't catch the body count in this episode. I wonder if it did add up to twenty two. I think I counted eleven Gerhards. Um, not sure how many cops plus the clerk. I'm not sure, but it would be awesome if it added up to twenty two. Yeah, it's gonna be close. It's definitely close. I don't. Hmm. If I had to guess, sense. I'd put it around 18. Yeah. And they called him Ohanzi, too. Did I mention that mm-hmm. in the hot dish? Yeah, his full name is Ohanzi Dent. Mm-hmm. But people just call him Hanzi. Yeah. So I, when they're having that exchange over the phone, I loved how in the Gerhardt home on the oh, wall, the little, you could see the little... How tall are you? Yeah, you could see the, all the little like growth marks for... Hansi, even Hansi was on there. Dodd, Charlie was on there. Simone was on there. Bear was on there. All the little chalk marks uh, as they grew up, you could see marked into the wall. I thought that was 
a nice little touch because mm-hmm. you certainly didn't have to have that. It wasn't a requirement of the story. Probably doesn't make the scene any better, but it was such a nice no, little detail. Have, I mean, I guess it does. If I'm thinking it's a nice it, detail. That's my, yeah, yeah. I was going to say it actually does. It, it, yeah. it gives, it gives a realism to the history of their house. It's, yeah, exactly. It's, it's as in, it's integral to the story, in my opinion, as the gravestones, uh, in the episode where we're introduced mm-hmm. to Hanzi coming in from the, the woods with the white rabbit. Sure. Yeah. Um, they just, they're just further setting tone and establishing history. Uh, I also love the fact that there were bullet holes in it. Or did you just say that? And I zoned that out. No, I did not say that. Yeah, from their house getting all mm-hmm. shot up. Good catch. Yep. That's what I do. I find the weird crap. <laughs> You're the smart guy. I find weird stuff. <laughs> um, so eventually we, hand, we, we head back to the motor motel. Mm-hmm. The popo's all settled in. Yeah. Whatever it is, they're... T- in their <laughs> undercover Wranglers and crew neck tees. Blue jeans, blue jeans, blue doors on the hotel. It's blue, Ben Schmitz rocking his blue suit. Blue birdhouses everywhere. Yeah. I I love is it, Todd, Todd. Did I really just say Todd? Ed. Ed is... um. He's really he's there, but he's a little out of it, you know. Granted, oh my somebody gosh. just tried to somebody just tried to hang him, but he looks a little he's he's like emotionally jacked up. I'm so like glad you brought that up because uh, and we were when we were texting during the show, you you mentioned it, and Jesse Plemons' portrayal of Ed in this episode is so good because he's kind of just always like this dazed stunned can't really believe he's this like any of this is happening he has this glazed over look the entire time where his face is all puffy and he's just glazed over and you can see the marks from the noose around his neck he's just beat he's spent he's in this like reality that it's almost like he can't believe Mm -hmm. and he's watching his wife be like a little bit seductive in front of Ben Schmidt and 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 manipulative and, she's like, she's and like, <clears throat> taking control of things, making. <laughs> I thought when she was making that tea, and there are three, there's three rolls of toilet paper sitting next to the little kettle thing. I thought that was oh, funny. there it is. <laughs> but I'm surprised. I bet she looked at those and wanted to steal them. Like, mm. yeah, toilet paper. I must have that. So yeah, I think Jesse Plemons' character or portrayal of Ed Blomquist was so fun. Like everything about him was enjoyable, and he didn't even have that many lines. Another payoff, I feel like. Yes. Um, I also loved that he was sitting. I I loved how Ben Schmidt was like up close to that TV, kind of like Peg was in the cabin when Dodd escaped. He was just kind of right up like there, and meanwhile. Peg and Ed are literally plotting behind his back because the guy's a dumbass and a little bit. Well, he's he's got some. Uh, he's he's eating his chips, watching the show. It is you know, just picking it. He's he's. I still think he's uh, feeling confident that he's with he's with people he trusts. Mm-hmm. You know, and. Who knows? For all we know, this is going to be a big deal for him. 
Oh, I also love that shortly after this, the scenes of Mike Milligan staring out the window thinking about the times he touched Joe Bulo's hair. Yes, tender, um, that was tender, a fun little scene. So we see Kitchen tender and, moment. We see Kitchen and Milligan on the road, uh, basically going to Sioux Falls and nail these guys. And the, the song Getting It Back is playing, which is another brilliant choice. I thought, mm-hmm. I mean, the music in this episode was amazing as, they, as it has been in all episodes, but the song getting it back seems so fitting as he's like reminiscing, you know, about the good old days. Um, but, yes. and, and, he, and he, I love that they referenced the touching of the hair during when, when Mike and Joe were at the restaurant, he's talking about the shampoo and then when his head was cut off and he touches it again and you brought that up, like you made that connection. Like you, you said you loved how he did that one last time. <laughs> And I love how they just like kind of blatantly brought that out again, uh, in case yeah. you in case you didn't make the connection yourself, or in case you didn't listen to the awesome podcast Fargo Talks Fargo. Um, <laughs> I just love how they. I, I love that they reference that. I love that he's sitting in there like quickly reloading his weapon. Um, that was fun to that, watch. That doesn't shoot out of his sleeve. Mm. Norm, I I I I can't say for sure, but I still wonder if this is one of the first times we've seen him with a just a regular gun <laughs> like that versus because before there was two kitchens you know and mm-hmm. he he was just there to like hammer out the incredible quotes and and witty dialogue and now he's he's got more to do because there's only two of them you know mm-hmm. they're in it i mean maybe he's just reminiscing because he's he's trying to get this done but i don't know he and Bula I- didn't seem like they a major thing. No, but I think he's fired up. He's like, it's time to take this back. I'm yeah. gonna, like, I'm gonna get the job done. Time to settle this once and for all. Yeah, mm-hmm. maybe. I yeah, I don't think him and Bulo had like a real brotherly like <laughs> connection. But yeah, we're not talking like uh, Peggy and Constance. Yeah, <laughs> and we find out Constance uh, over the radio has been strangled uh, by yeah. Lindsay Dent. Did you notice in that hotel room, like the decor of that room, how there was like this big, basically like g- giant vagina? George O'Keefe? <laughs> yeah. No, it was just a wooden Georgia O'Keefe. It was thing. a wooden Georgia O'Keefe. Okay, we'll go with that. And we'll make- I didn't hear anything you just said. I didn't hear any viewer <laughs> there. Oh, come on. It was so obvious. Yeah. Get, I just, get I your labia wall decals here. I love the idea too that they follow Lou all the way to the border. <laughs> that and then when you cross the border, there's a telephone booth <laughs> just in case you need to. I do. I always do love the idea of these telephone booths on the side of the road. I mean, we were talking about uh, Mike Milligan at the, that phone booth. It's like in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Like I, in my time growing up here, you know, in the phone booth era, I can say I don't think I ever saw a phone booth in the middle of nowhere. No, outside the gas station, absolutely, or the convenience store. But so here's Hank, though. But they're just like they trust him. They they don't trust him enough to just tell him to go back to your own state. So they follow him to the border. But the minute they get to the exact border, they turn around and go back, as if he couldn't just get in his car and turn around. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? That's like one of those movie TV things. I'm always like, so they got to follow him there. But once he gets there, they're like, well, that's good. I don't think he, that trooper really gave a shit. What he's just doing? What? Cheney told him to do because Cheney is scary. 
even yeah. admitted it. I think he's just making sure he did his duty. Now he's checking out. He doesn't really care either way if he drives back. That guy. Yeah, yeah. That guy was a goon. He's gonna go pick up some peanuts. Um, yeah. So this is another parallel between Hank and uh Lou that I really loved because Lou, right at that border, decides, fuck it, I'm going back to Sioux Falls. Like this ain't this shit ain't right. And very similarly, Hank does the same thing in his hotel room. He's like, fuck it, I'm gearing up, I'm putting my uniform on. Something ain't right here. Yeah. They both I, have I also, that like now nobody's gonna tell me what to do. <laughs> we know what's best. We gotta get these people out of here. Yeah. It's shit's gonna storm. Also <laughs> over the radio, the uh the, the the when is this uh I mean, when's all this madness gonna end? Mm-hmm. Uh, another another kind of line in this show where people are very aware of the the nature of how fucked up things are sometimes uh i'm gonna use this real quick to take a sponsor break all right so as we mentioned in the show opening this episode has been spot this episode and this season has been sponsored by fargo brewing who are a great group of uh local guys who got four guys got together and started a wonderful craft brew business here in fargo and they helped sponsor us last season and so they have helped make uh one of their beers, the Woodchipper IPA, is basically you know it's like it's a it's our mascot you know, um, but we we love the fact that they stepped up for another season and helped like sponsor the show and we can't say enough nice stuff about them because they they help us out and on top of that I mean I I still stand by the idea that if they didn't sponsor this I'd still be drinking their beer because that's just how I roll, um, mm-hmm. but if you want to help us out uh you should go to their website fargobrewing.com and just check out all the beers they're making that they've got they don't even they have they have so many more than are on that site right now um anything and you should check them out on facebook as well so just look at fargo brewing because they have such great stuff and they got a great tap room so um you can also when you're on the website you can click on a thing and find out where to find out where they have beer and where they where they are and what kind of events they have going up, but the uh, wood chipper is their India Pale Ale, and it's a uh, from their website. It's it's a it's a classic American IPA, uh, bold hop flavor. Um, they use Horizon hops and oats, um, lots of the velvety body and bitterness. Um, you know, and like they say in their thing, it says uh, we'd give our left foot for a pint. So <laughs> go go check them out. They they're, they're fantastic. And uh, we can't thank them enough. I say that over and over, and I mean that because uh, I I can't. I love it when I love having a sponsor that you you have that is they're real, real to you. Like you you like them, they like you. You already have a mutual relationship, and when they can step up to help, so so we you know it, it helps offset some of the costs of the things that we do here. So um, really, without these guys, you know, it would be it would be harder for uh, Sharpie and I to be making this show and do a bunch of the stuff that we do. So. Second to that, I want to, we're going to tweet something later today, or maybe Sharpie will tweet it during the show. Um, well, not yet. We'll wait till we get the episode up, but yeah. we're going to do a giveaway. We're going to do, uh, it'll be on, if you follow us on Twitter, Fargo Talks Fargo, at Fargo Talks Fargo, or you can find us on Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash Fargo Talks Fargo. And then you can, we, we're going to have you. Correct me if I've got this wrong. We talked about a couple different things here, but we're going to have you email us or tweet us mm-hmm. if you want, or put it on the Facebook page, and we'll look at them all. Um, Preferably the tweet address. 
or Facebook. Yeah. Yep. So that other people can, can enjoy your response. Yes. Uh, but if you don't have those things, feel free to email us at pod, uh, podcast at Fargo Talks Fargo. So what we're, and you say, okay, so what is it? So we're going to give away a hashtag Fargo survival kit. Did I get that right? I'll make sure we get it right. Um, and it's, hold on, I got to grab it. It's right here. It's there a, it is. Uh, that is beautiful. Yeah, sure. Yeah. It's this really cool, like, duffel bag with the Fargo logo. Um, and it says, oh, it's a winter car and truck emergency survival kit. This is what's on the tag. Which everybody should uh, have, especially if you're driving through the Midwest in the middle of winter. Yep. It says, a winter trip from Sioux Falls, South Dakota to Laverne can be a deadly ordeal in the depth of winter. A well-stocked emergency kit can make the difference between life and death. Kit alone does not guarantee survival. <laughs> In here, there's a bottle of water, a small uh, first aid kit, and this is all this stuff's branded. I'm I showed one of the gals at work these mittens that are in here, and and one of the gals at work was like, "Okay, I want those." I really those, want those mittens. Those mittens they're sweater, are awesome. They're sweater mittens, and they look so so kick-ass. So if you're a gal, they look like they'd like be this. made out of like the sweater that the dude wears or something like that. I mean, yeah, not exactly. Oh, totally, it but, is. It is that brown kind of. Yeah. They're awesome, though, and they look really warm. And there's a fleece blanket in here. There's some Jack Link's beef jerky. Um, a little what looks to be like a, a bag of uh, coffee grounds, but it's actually like a kitty litter gravel stuff that you can throw under your tire if you get stuck and you need a little grip. And then there's some glow sticks uh, for emergency. And, yeah. But here's the deal. We're going we're gonna to give it away. So we want you to, so to do that, and we'll we'll put we'll we'll tweet it out what you need to do. We want you to tell us your favorite line of the season. Yes, what is your favorite line of this season? Yep. And when you do it, yeah, do hashtag Fargo or let me double check this. <laughs> tweet or post on Facebook if you're if you're. Only if you're tweeting or posting on Facebook. If you're just emailing us, you don't have to use the hashtag, obviously. But either use the hashtag Fargo or you know, let's do let's do hashtag Fargo Survival Kit. Okay. All one word. Hashtag Fargo Survival Kit. So tweet it out and you can do at Fargo Talks Fargo. Say whatever your favorite line is and who who it was. You don't have to put full name, you can just put Hank, Mike, Simone. And then hashtag Fargo Survival Kit. And that way we'll look up that hashtag and uh, see which we'll, then we'll judge which one we, we think was the best one. And then whoever that is, we'll send this out to you. And so also of note, well, so, sorry to folks outside of the United States. Let's, uh, we're going we're gonna to keep this to here because it's this big bag. And, yeah. <laughs> and legality so, reasons. So, yep, United States folks. Sorry. Sorry, international listeners. Uh, we know you're out there, and they've yeah, been emailing sorry, us Canada. as well. So, really appreciate your support. Yep. You can still, so, okay. you can still uh, send a quote if you want. You can still do it. You can still, yeah, still send the quotes. I mean, we'll, maybe we'll find something else. We can, we'll give you a runner up prize, like <laughs> shout out on the podcast. <laughs> the next few. So, shout outs are free. Cause we're, yeah, because we're winding it down here, you know. So there's this. We'll we'll have next week's hot dish, next week's recap. We will have Maggie's posted, and I'm working on getting one other interview that I think we might do it after the show, like a post show 
deal. Because by the time we get it scheduled, not, but it'll still be yeah, fun. True. So if you like all this behind the scenes stuff, we're working uh, uh, on an interview with um, Justin, who's the prop master for the show, and we we love hearing about how they do this stuff. So take us there, Sharpie. Where do you want to go from here? Um. Okay. So we shoot, are... shoot, shoot, stab, stab, stab. No, we're essentially at the the final scene, the motor motel, the final motor motel. Yes, where all the shit goes down. <laughs> uh, Chief this Cheney is where everything can hardly everything control his boner for the next day's events. Uh, oddly, goes into radio silence for whatever reason because he's just a dumbass and can't make any right decision. Um, so they go into radio silence. Supposedly, they turn their radios off and they all go to bed, tucked away, nice and neatly in their white tees. Meanwhile, Lou's trying to get a hold of them over his radio, saying because uh, as as Lou went back to the hotel that to to check out the murder scene that Constance was, uh, Constance's hotel room essentially, he notices the Gerhardt caravan and quickly tries to radio the Motor Motel folks and say, "Hey, Gerhardts are on their way," but because they're all getting their beauty sleep for the next day because they're all excited about meeting Kansas City. Nobody gets the warning. Um, I thought it was interesting nope. that that Lou was just let into that hotel room, that crime scene. But we don't yeah. really have to go there. It doesn't really matter. Oh. But, yeah, I thought it was the, funny. but Lou radioing into... The, the Sioux Falls cops is it's just another one of those walls he runs in. Another reference uh, or another event inspired by the castle. Yes. Just, I, just shouting out to nobody, to thin air. Like, who are these authorities that are ruling everything but I can't communicate with? Yep. Hey, so did you... I knew... We, you know, we talked about all the stuff people can sip. I, you know, I, I, I had a feeling the UFO was coming at some point. I had, I really had no idea Auntie was going to stab Floyd. I really didn't either. That surprised me big time. It was like a total Fredo thing for me. He, he tells the Gerhardt crew exactly which rooms everybody's in, which is good because um, that's all from his optometrist spying. Uh, so they all, all the Gerhards go off and Bear tells him, hey, you just got to stay here back with Mon and make sure she's fine. Even though he's probably the best killer of them all. Um, but whatever. So he's left alone with Floyd in her red jacket. Very, um, <laughs> here's, here's why I think it, I should have known she would die. Very Lester. Yeah. You know, her cl- closing in on her final scenes. What we find out are her final scenes. And this is uh, when that, in this exact moment is when that song, The Sorcerer, is playing. And you hear the lyrics of the song, and they're like, uses his powers to hypnotize. Stay away from the sorcerer. That's going on mm-hmm. right now as we see those, as we see the Gerhard sort of pan away, split away from these two, just leaving Hansi and Floyd to their lonesome. Yeah. Did you do we want to talk about with the the UFO comes and you know you've you already brought up the threes and that there were three little spotlights on the ground, mm-hmm. you know, just fulfilling the 
triad that seems to be happening. I just here's what I want to know. I want to know what they're going to talk about. What they're going to talk about in the, On next, the next episode? episode? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that will be interesting. So, yeah, it'll be like a nice, I don't know, a recap or whatever. It will really button up the story nicely. I'm glad that we have a full episode to do that now that the mm-hmm. bodies have been stacked. Um, now we can tie it, we can wrap this story up appropriately. We have a full hour to do that, which will be really nice. Yeah, I hope so. Um, Who knows? So the, the final battle uh, ensues, and it is really fun and really awesome. We 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 see Hank, you know, gear up and, and man up and be like, I'm going to take charge of this situation. And we see him do a little, some gun battles, take out some dudes. We see Ricky G bail because he's a little bitch, as we all <laughs> you knew. Really, you, you have it up for Ricky G oh, so Ricky bad, G. dude. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he just peels off like after a couple oh. shots go. I mean, that guy is worthless. Well, he, he it just goes to show... He couldn't take a fucking phone call. Now he can't even... I mean, <laughs> why would you expect him to be involved in a shooting? The guy can barely do uh, anything except for wear orange sunglasses in the middle of the Item night. of note, <laughs> don't... If you want real help, don't, don't call on Buffalo. <laughs> Never trust right? a guy named Ricky G, first of all. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I... Oh boy. It went okay, so going back to the Floyd stabbing, I do really and this goes out um to the actor, I, what's his name? Uh that plays Hansi. This goes out to oh, him a little sorry. bit. I thought that his performance during that right before the stab was pretty powerful. I swear to God, he had a tear he's, in his eye. A, and he that was really hard for him because you see him. You see emotion in his eyes right before he does it. It's not like a revenge, or it's not like you suck, I'm gonna kill you. It's not like fuck you, bitch, stab, stab. It it does look like for a second that this is a really hard thing for him to do, but he does mm-hmm. it anyway. Yeah, it he, is basically his mom. We haven't talked about his character enough um, in terms of the the actor. Um, I think he he falls. Uh, it's um, I hope I'm not screwing his name up, but it's Zon McLaren, McLarenin. Um, I I started the show and I just for whatever reason I haven't gotten back into it. But he's in he's he's good in uh, Longmire. I've heard that's good. Yes, it is. I just it was one of those shows I started and then I just didn't have the bandwidth to like continue, um, keeping up at the moment. So I just kind of put it all on hold, but. He he, his character is a lot like um, Ted Danson too. I think he says a lot with his uh, actions. Sure, but yes, he's he's good. I just man, the whole season, whole season's been great. And when Hansi goes on, when Hansi after the stabbing uh, goes into the firefight, now I I'd like to know where this direction came from. Um, well, let's we get cold cut. Cold cocked in the face after what was it like a glass of water from Peggy? <laughs> what did she throw uh, in his face? Well, no, I want to go a little bit before that. Uh, oh, okay, okay. When I'm he sorry. goes on his like firing spree on the on the in the parking lot, like at the base of the hotel, and there's those freeze frames of him firing the freeze frames of that and the guys getting hit. I thought that was so fun uh, and such yes. a great tie into seventy um, cinema again. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if that was like 
a note from Noah Hawley or, or one of the other writers, or if that was Adam Arkins, the director of this episode. I wonder if that was his decision. I don't know who that was, but it was such a nice little detail and nice uh, um, little way of doing a little bit different storytelling again. These types of things, like they haven't done that yet in this season, and that came as a surprise, and it was a uh, super delightful. Now Adam it, Arkin is the actual is actually so he directed this episode, and Adam Arkin is the man who plays Hamish Broker, the Kansas City boss. Uh, and for a little mm-hmm. trivia for you guys, Adam Arkin directed. This is the first time he directed an episode, and he'll be directing the final episode as well. Well, they did it in pairs all season. Yeah. Right, I believe. But yeah, it's uh, uh yeah the the it, it's one of those 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 freeze frames are are they're they're just another fun thing that could could have come off cheesy uh like the split screens and stuff, but they play so well with uh, the script and the story and the way it's done, mm-hmm. and because it's shot so well. I've seen people that haven't um watched this season yet. I've seen them look at a couple, watch a couple scenes, uh, just wet as they've been at my house and whatnot, and mm-hmm. and be like so delighted by the cinematography and the directing. Like they look at it, and it's because they've never expected it, and they see that, and they're like, "Oh my god, this is awesome!" Yeah, and it's unique and different, and it's fun to see people who haven't watched the show yet get. It's fun to see their reactions. I'm trying to think of what else. I don't know. I feel like we... Honzi puts really, a bullet in Hank. Yeah. Which we... I was always expecting him to die. Now I think he might live. Yeah. Well. He might. Yeah, he might. He's not, Dinner Sunday? He's, he's in... Yeah. <laughs> he's in rough shape. Yeah, but that's his That's his humor. Right. I just... I when I saw that I thought I I I flipped back to the complete heartbreak of what has just happened to them and the fact that neither he nor Lou know that what's happened to Betsy. Yeah, I can't imagine like the compounding of the this, these types of tragedy. You know mm-hmm. what that's like for their characters. And um, yeah, I just imagine I, I try to picture like what Noreen's doing with Molly all day now. Knowing that Betsy's dead, she's probably trying to get a hold of Hank or Lou. Knowing, and, and we're in this era where their like communication is not instantaneous necessarily. I mean, you have phones, but Plus, you don't you have t- cell phones. You don't. When somebody's on the road, they're on the road. You're talking to them maybe later that day. Yeah, hence all the. I think that's the reason we see so many phone booths, though, because that's the way it had happened. Mm-hmm. Uh. I okay before we I talk about something about next week I think um so nice nod I think to the Big Lebowski with uh, the cover of Run Through the Jungle mm-hmm. uh, by Britt Daniel uh, who's the lead uh, from Spoon Austin City based band special little treat just for the show yes um so anyway I love that and. Here's what I want to know about next week. Oh, wait, we got to do our audible thing. You got an audible pick? Sure. Probably not. Yeah. You know what? Here's the deal. Oh, all, the pick this week is all the previous picks. <laughs> because well, uh, when I get, I'm going to get the Maggie episode out this week, and she has a pick in hers. So 
we'll say stay tuned. Or why did you have another one you want to do? Yeah, I have one. Okay, well, so here's the deal. You got to go to audibletrial.com slash Fargo Talks Fargo and you sign up for a free 30-day trial. So no commitment. You can cancel any time. But when you sign up right away, immediately, if, you, if, this, if you're a first-time Audible subscriber, you get a free credit for a book. And we've been an audio book. And we've been recommending this all season, both uh, Sharpie and I. And we find out many of our um, people we talk to on the show, they're, they're already doing it. So you know, maybe that's why we're not seeing some of the conversions that we would see. Because we see when people sign up. But um, I think it's, uh, it's, it's a thing. And, and I think you should go do it. If you're enjoying a podcast, I think you'll enjoy it as well. So I'm going to recommend a book that, I mean, up to this point, I've recommended only books that I've listened to. I'm actually going to recommend one that is I have not listened to, but yeah. I have purchased and I'm hoping to within the next few weeks. Um, and this is a book that's a little bit old now. I mean, not that old. It's, only, it's 15 years old, which isn't really old when you think of book terms. No. Um, but it's by Neil Gaiman. And it's called American Gods. So, if you're looking for it's a it's a little bit of a longer one. Uh, Neil Gaiman's amazing author. If you're looking for something awesome to listen to for 19 hours and 39 minutes, that should be your pick. I think we've been making some really good recommendations. <laughs> if you're going to sign up and have a free book, and we're, we've been making pretty lengthy recommendations, you think, oh god, 19 hours. But you got to remember that's the same way you read in real life is that you you just. Take it off in the bite-sized chunks that you can handle, and, and you do that. But if you're uh, an exerciser or a commuter or anything, I mean, anywhere you'd be listening to this podcast. So there you go. Mm-hmm. AudibleTrial.com slash Fargo Talks Fargo. Check it out. When oh. Lou finally, so the, the UFO comes, and <laughs> Lou, and that's a great distraction for Bear. He's kind Wheeling of just memorized. the sky keeps on turning. <laughs> He's like Sorry. a bear in headlights. He... Mm-hmm. I, I love the little detail of Lou offing Bear with an upside-down pistol grip. Like, he's holding the pistol upside-down the whole time, mm-hmm. um, which was, you know, one of those things that it didn't have to be that way, but the fact that it was was ultra nice. Yeah. And seeing the back of his head just spray was <laughs> pretty crazy. In that light, yeah. too. Yeah. I. Oh, wait. I know what I was... Okay, so keep... No, go ahead. I'm clarify what we're talking about. I'm still thinking about Betsy. I don't think she's dead yet. She might not be. No, I just think that there's bad things happening. Right. We it's it's un unconfirmed because I feel like somewhere in the season we learned around where she died. But I think this is the beginning of a tough sure. patch before she she dies. And but, if either way, we probably won't see her die because you know this no. is a theme of this show has been like major people pass away uh when we're not around and we don't see mm-hmm. the, we don't see those things happen so even if she if she was um gone if if that was the final her final moments i wouldn't be surprised because lou's gone and he's not there for it to happen yeah so so <laughs> yeah stop thinking well, about so here's so what much. i want here's what i want to know over there Here's what I want to know. What happens next week? Do we get to meet this uh, this guy that we've only seen in, like, you know, we've seen his silhouette 
played by Adam Arkin, Hamish, the broker. Do we, are we going to actually get to see him interact with people up close and live and in person? What, what, and you know, because Milligan and Kitchen show up late and they're like, well, fuck, what just happened here? Holy shit. And they're like, well, let's get back in the car, bro. Um, we will see what, him. What do we, yeah, what's going to, I just want, I'm asking, what do you think or what you guys think, you know, who are listening? Because we've, we got another big batch of great emails that I feel like we could talk about really quickly. Um, and we've been getting far more this season than we normally have. So we really do appreciate that. We can't respond to all of them at the moment. I mean, I apologize with some of the stuff, but, uh, yeah. And so oddly enough, speaking of Rushmore, I'd already mentioned it, but yes, I was in Rapid City. I just flew back today. Uh, I went to Mount Rushmore. That was fun, but, uh, yeah, I just, Mike Milligan, what's going to happen there? We know the Hans. Maybe he'll get credit for everything. (laughs) God, wouldn't that be crazy? Because he, he like, just yeah, got off the phone did. with Hamish and say, said he was going to take care of this and wrap it all up. And that he's maybe given a little gift and maybe, I mean, everything's wrapped up. Everybody's gone. Mm-hmm. Far, for the Fargo Syndicate is gone. And maybe Hamish will be like, wow, really underestimated you, Mike Milligan. Sorry yeah. about that whole sending a guy to kill you thing. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so send your predictions. We'd love to. We'd love to hear them. That'd be fun. Um, and speaking of sending us stuff, I, Bill and I used to do this podcast called "What's Grilling," which was me and Bill and Joe, who's been on the show a couple times. Uh, What's yeah, grilling? Yeah, you and Joe mostly. I'm just there to be the. <laughs> What's grilling was a ball. show about grilling, um, and we've had a couple of listeners come from that show over to this show. And one of those, and this is a shout out to you, Cape Cod Scott. <laughs> he heard one of our episodes where we were talking about chislick, which is basically deep fried beef, uh, like beef tips. And he had never heard of it, and he's in Cape Cod, and he actually set out to make some chislick for himself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is fantastic. Thank you for sending. He sent us pictures and everything. Thank you for sending that, Cape Cod Scott. He's even drinking Cape Cod beer. Uh, mm. That was fun to look at. I can't believe you actually made Chislik. That's awesome. Uh, I hope you liked it. Um, I've had good Chislik and I've had bad Chislik. <laughs> <laughs> and bad Chislik ain't good. But yours yes. looks delicious. So that was pretty fun. Yeah. Um, well. Yeah. Eh, yeah. I say we do it. Okay. Let's call it. Let's call this bird cooked. Dishes are done, it's, man. Oh, or actually, if we're going to be Fargo about it, we'd be like, okay then. Yeah, and then we'll talk for another half an hour. <laughs> yes, exactly. So, well, say, yeah, send us anything you got. Uh, don't forget to do the hashtag Fargo bad hashtag Fargo survival kit, along with, with your, your favorite quote. Favorite quote, and if that happens, then we'll figure out a way to get in touch with you, so that I can send you this duffel bag. To it's one really person. Cool. I mean, I, not everybody I, gets a duffel bag. We'll no, just, just randomly just the one pick we, one. Just the one we pick. Yeah, and then uh, yeah, I I I kind of wanted to keep it for myself, but I think uh, you know, gotta give something back to the yeah, those mittens. Give something back to the listeners. We really appreciate all you guys tuning in this season, and we can't wait. So, like I said, outside of this episode that'll get released, there'll be on four more for sure. Lucky Two of you. which you can, you know, some people maybe don't want to hear about our behind-the-scenes chatter and stuff, but for those of you who do, it, there, there'll be more. 
because it's still good after the fact. It doesn't have to happen during the show. It's, it's, you know, behind the scenes is fun no matter when it happens. Mm-hmm. So, all right, Charby. Next week, bro. Alrighty. Um, okay then. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll see you later. <laughs> this is the perfect Minnesota long goodbye. Okay. Goodbye.